Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The readings for this weekend are very apocalyptic. They have to do with the end time. Now, this is the time of year as our calendar year and as well as our liturgical year are coming to a close. And so the church asks us to reflect upon these dark but very illuminating spiritual matters. Turn to the second reading from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Now, Thessalonians is the earliest Christian text that we have written by Paul. Scripture scholars believe it was written in the early 50s of the first century, 20 years before the first gospel. It's the earliest of Paul's letters. It gives us a wonderful snapshot of what life was like in those very primitive Christian communities. Paul reminds us about the event that changed his life forever. Paul had seen the risen Christ, and it turned everything upside down for him. You could say it revolutionized him. Paul's whole way of thinking, being, and acting completely changed. Now Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and even to us, about matters of faith and life in light of the resurrection. Notice what he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Paul is talking about what stands at the very heart of our Catholic faith. In Jesus, risen from the dead, we hope to rise from the dead ourselves. In Jesus, raised and now living in heaven, we who cling to him, who have been baptized into Jesus, now we hope that our destination will reside in heaven also. In light of all this, everything changes for us. The things of this world fall into relative insignificance. Our whole lives have now been rearranged. In light of this great claim that in Jesus Christ, we will rise from the dead. So Paul uses a lot of apocalyptic language in Thessalonians. He speaks next about being caught up with the Lord in the air. As he writes, Then we, who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, even to this day, people have been fascinated by this descriptive theology of the rapture. But don't make the mistake of taking Paul literally. If we are to literally take Paul here, well, it means that Jesus is hovering at 30,000 feet and we have to take a plane to go see him. And that's not true. Instead, what Paul really means here, what Paul is getting at, is the transformation of our lives such that it's a response to God's gift of heaven for us all. Even today, 
that remains the center of our faith as Catholics. Now realize, Paul was so overwhelmed by the experience of seeing the resurrected Christ that he thought the second coming would happen right away. He thought the end of the world would come during his lifetime. See, Paul was convinced he lived in the end times and that very soon Jesus would come back and take all those who were baptized with him into heaven. Now, in some ways, we can see that it's a witness to just how powerful the resurrection of Jesus Christ was for Paul. Paul's whole world changed dramatically. It was never the same. So he felt the world would come to an end very soon. Well, we all know, of course, that didn't happen. You know, today, we are 2,000 years living after Paul, and our world is fully intact. But we are still waiting with this hope, just like Paul. That's why we say at Mass when we pray, we wait with joyful hope of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Granted, we don't know when Jesus will come, but like Paul, the hope remains the same. Now, fast forward to the gospel. In the gospel, Jesus is also addressing the end times. Now, here we have a reading from Matthew's gospel, which is written 30 years after Paul wrote Thessalonians. Now, the Christian community that Matthew is writing to has been shaped and influenced by Paul and Paul's faith. They, too, have been waiting and watching and wondering when. When would the Lord come back? So in some ways, they are like us, living in those in-between times. Now notice the gospel parable. It's a story about a bride, a groom, and those waiting in attendance. Notice how it begins. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, this story borrows from the practice that occurred during Jesus' time. In the first century, in Palestine, if you attended an Israelite wedding, the focus was not on the bride, the way our focus is today. When we attend a wedding today, you know, when the bride comes into the church, everyone stands up and their whole attention is on the bride. Well, if you lived in the first century in Palestine and attended an Israelite wedding, the focus of your attention is on the groom. Now, the custom was, night would fall, and the bridesmaids would go to the groom's house and escort the groom to the bride's house. And then the bride and the groom would be escorted by the bridesmaids to wherever the wedding celebration would occur. Now, notice the detail. It takes place at night. Again, if you are living in a village in the first century in Palestine, it's very dark at night. Now, we have the luxury of electricity. You know, we go out on roads at night, especially the interstate, and it's all lit up. We have cars that have headlights. And so, in the 21st century that we're living in, we can travel with relative safety at night. But that's not so in the first century in Palestine. You better have a lamp with plenty of oil. Now we find out five wise bridesmaids do have enough oil, and five foolish ones don't. 
Now we find out the groom is late, but suddenly the groom arrives, and he is escorted into the wedding feast. Who enters? The wise bridesmaids. Who are left out? The foolish. And so what are we to make of this story? Well, like the bridesmaids, all of us Catholics, we wait in this in-between time. We know Jesus is coming for us, and so we are waiting in joyful hope. So how do we wait? Well, some wisely among us and some foolishly among us. Some have their lamps well stocked with oil, some don't. Now, what does the lamp stand for? Well, that spiritual life that was given to us at the time of our baptism, we are meant to keep that life alive while we wait. What do the oils stand for? Well, things like prayer, sacraments, study, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, a lifestyle of stewardship. All these are the ways in which that life of Jesus remains vibrant in us. See, that's the well-stocked lamp with oil. And so it begs the question, who are the wise among us? Well, those that practice those things, pray every day, come to Mass every week, engage a life of stewardship. Those who keep that light of faith burning brightly in all those actions. Who are the foolish among us? Well, those who allow that faith to die. I've said it so many times, the Catholic faith is one generation away from extinction. If we don't pass on the faith to our children, to the next generation, it becomes extinct. And I've seen that happen in so many families. I think that is one of the greatest spiritual tragedies in our church. So now, there are some questions that we have to essentially apply to ourselves. How often do we pray? Every day? Prayer is an important way, an important way for us to keep that oil well-stocked in our lamp. And so we should try and make that effort to pray every day, maybe several times a day. How about the sacraments, specifically the Eucharist and confession? Do we engage them on a regular basis? How about study? Do you seek to learn, to study about our faith? You know, we always encourage lifelong faith formation. Whether you're 8 years old or 80 years old, we should never stop learning about our faith. And so, do we study sacred scripture? Do we study, you know, the history of our church, the lives of the saints, art and architecture of our church? I always say, faith won't grow if you don't want to know. How about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy? Do we will the good of others every day and then do something about it? How about a lifestyle of stewardship? Do we share our prayers, our prosperity, as well as our skills and ability in our parish, in our faith community, so that our faith communities will continue to be strong and vibrant, not just now, but in the future? See, these are all ways in which we keep that oil well-stocked in our lamps. More importantly, we are ready. We are ready and well-prepared to welcome the groom, Jesus Christ, now and always into our life. More to it, we are ready. We are ready to enter into that great wedding of eternal life 
waiting for each and every one of us in heaven. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.